This is Called by God, stories of ordained women in the Anglican Diocese of Grafton. I'm Reverend Cathy Ridd and welcome. Today I'm speaking with the Reverend Canon Zoe Everingham. And thank you, Zoe, for being here. I'd like to begin by asking you to tell me a little of how you discerned that God was calling you to ordained ministry. Well, it was back in 2003 or thereabouts, and my husband and I were living on the Gold Coast, and we were worshipping at Gold Coast North, a little church called Holyrood at Oxenford, and I had been a sacristan there for quite a while, and uh, I uh, was working for an IT company. I was doing a lot of travel overseas. But it was in that year that when I was back home and worshipping there, that I got a really strong sense of I needed more. I was being called to more. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I just kind of knew there was something stirring inside me and I was getting very excited. So one day, uh, a female priest at Holyrood tapped me on the shoulder, literally, and said, Zoe, have you considered discerning um, your calling to the ordained ministry? And I looked at her and I said, no, but I know I'm being called to something. (laughs) So she said, well, I think you should investigate that. So I did. I went and had a word with our rector. And uh, he was a little bit cool at first and said, well, sit with it for for, for a month and come back to me. And so I sat with this pot that was almost boiling over and I uh, went back to him and uh, and confirmed that the the calling was still there. So I had an interview with Bishop and to cut a long story short, I was uh, I was interviewed for a discernment, went into a year of discernment, but I still needed to work full time in IT because we didn't have the funds for uh, for the uh, degree and for the cost of, of going through formation. And so I worked, continued to work for the same IT company. In fact, I gave them a five years notice that I would be leaving. And that notice basically consisted of sitting them down and explaining, I have this calling. I've been accepted into formation. I will be studying at university. And there are two things we could do. Um, Either you work with me to make my job more flexible and the hours more flexible or I leave and I get another job so they decided to keep me um, and and uh, and work with me. On that journey to ordination can you share some of the challenges that you encountered? The Archbishop of Brisbane then uh, introduced or attempted to introduce an age limitation canon, which meant that uh, the age I was, I was actually would be excluded from ordained ministry. I remember bursting into tears 
and then saying, well, I know I'm being called, so this isn't going to stop me. I'll just keep studying. And within the six months, there had been so many concerns regarding that canon that it was dropped. And so the obstacle, which many had thought might be in my way, was actually removed. I went through formation with a big prayer on my heart, uh, understanding that there were still some um, objections to women priests, uh, even in the early 2000s. And so my prayer on my heart was, Lord, if this calling is not from you, then please remove this from me. Because whenever I felt uh, a question mark, I would pray that prayer. And what happened was every time I did, there was some form of affirmation that came uh, that came to me from someone very close on that prayer. So I I got the sense to keep going because this was definitely a calling. So I felt very uplifted um, by that. That prayer of, Lord, take this away from me, the last time I got that sense and that prayer was actually when I was kneeling in St. John's Cathedral on the day of my ordination. And there were 11 of us being ordained that day. And I was kind of somewhere in the middle. And I was kneeling, waiting for my name to be called. And that prayer came up, Lord, on the day of my ordination, as if, <laughs> but still on my heart, you know, Lord, if this is not from you, then please take this away from me. And immediately I had a vision, and I've this is very rare for me, but I did have a very, a very clear vision where Jesus, uh, walking by Lake Galilee, turned and looked at me and put his hand out to me and I put my hand in his and then skipped towards him. And as I skipped in the vision, my heart skipped a beat. It was the clearest and most beautiful experience and vision that I've ever had. And I put my hand in Jesus. And as, as he took my hand and I moved toward him, my name was called. I got up and I and I walked and knelt in front of the archbishop, relaxed, and was ordained. Tell me a bit about some of the supporters that you had on that journey. And my mother, uh, who died in 2009, she was really thrilled and she gave me as an ordination present a Bible that belonged to my uncle, her brother, who died at the age of 19 in the First World War. But before he went to war, he he was destined to go into a seminary. And that's what he wanted to do, to become a priest. And she gifted me his Bible uh, and also a notebook. And in that notebook, in his handwriting, 
in pencil was a prayer to God before he went to the front in World War One, And that has been very precious to me to think that he was giving his life to God in in response to the call on him from his country. Uh, this was in England. Um, and and I was also being given a life-giving opportunity uh, of giving my life um, so that in this way, so that others can also find theirs. So I that was very moving for me to receive, as you can see. <laughs> to receive um, both of those things uh, as an affirmation of my calling. I think my biggest supporter was my husband because he he pushed up with my absence, you know, my, my, my absence at home. I would, you know, with working full-time and studying almost at full-time pace, I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning to study before I went to work. I would a uh, few times a week, I would disappear at lunchtime and go to Brisbane from the Gold Coast for a lecture in the afternoon. I'd stay overnight at the convent at Banyo for a lecture in the morning. Then I'd drive back to the office for an afternoon shift <laughs> and then I'd get home and and see and see Richard and see my husband and invariably after dinner, I would be back in the study, studying again, until you know, late at night. And that went on, you know, for three years. He he was amazing during that time. And I wonder what you think are the biggest challenges for ordained women in the Anglican Church of Australia today? For me, it's very sad that the strong testimonies of calling that ordained women have demonstrated has not been taken seriously by some. To say that the church should not support ordained women in ministry at whatever level that their skills will allow, having been upskilled through um, many other fields of endeavour is really to deny the working of God's spirit in our church today. It was very clear to me the moving of God's spirit in my life to bring me to the point where I could respond uh, through the journey towards ordination. And it was very clear to many people around me that this was a real calling from God. And therefore, to deny that is to deny the working of God's spirit. Is denying the working of God's spirit not denying God or the power of God to work? I think that's a big lesson for us. Uh, when we have the eyes to see, being aware of other things that God may be doing and the other people that God may be calling, not just into, into ordained ministry, but into our pews and being open to those whom God includes 
and being inclusive of those who God calls and includes. There's a lovely phrase we read in the parable of the running father, the parable of the prodigal, and that is that the younger son came to his senses, woke up to himself. It's another way of translating that. And that's my prayer, that one day those who are in opposed to women's ministry, ordained ministry, will wake up to themselves. And I give thanks that there are dioceses who don't allow uh, the past to obstruct what God is doing in the present. And uh, I give thanks that I'm in one of those dioceses. And I have felt humbled that uh, that I have been able to respond in a role as archdeacon, a regional archdeacon, um, as, as a priest uh, of parishes. That to me has been a wonderful, humbling experience and all experiences that enable me to grow personally and also um, enable me to help others grow. What gives you joy in your ministry? The most joy is also linked to the most daunting, which is so often the case. And I think the most daunting thing about ordained ministry is learning to trust, to let go, to remember where your hand is, that your hand is in Christ's hand, is in the hand of God, and being able to really trust them in it so that we can lead where we don't know where we're going. Our role is not to is not to, to strategize so so tightly that we rule God out of the equation or rule God out of that journey, but that we're able to sit in discernment in a liminal space, discerning where God is leading, discerning where God's spirit is working, and getting on board the journey. And I know that we sometimes glibly say that, but I think that has been an actual joy to experience to to be to get to the point where to get to the point where i could let go and trust and say well i think we're going down this path but i'm happy to sit with that prayer that was with me before my ordination that lord if this is not the direction we should be going in then show us the way. Show us the way. Zoe, thank you so much for sharing part of your story with me today. Next week on Called by God, I'll be speaking with the Reverend Mandy Larkin. Called by God is produced in the Diocese of Grafton as part of the celebration to mark the 30th anniversary of the ordination of women in the diocese. Produced and edited by the Reverend Cathy Ridd, copyright 2023.